Hey, it's Arrow. PodFest brings together three different conversations, from musicians to authors, doctors, environmentalists, or to cooks in their own kitchen. These are real people with real stories. PodFest number 60. We kick things off with a legendary singer-songwriter that helped usher in a classic sound in the 1970s and beyond, Mr. Gary Wright. Then we're stepping up to have a true one-on-one conversation with actor George Shakaris from West Side Story. Our third conversation is all about the laughs. If you don't know me by now, I love getting into a conversation with comedians. Today, it's Greg Warren. This is PodFest 60. I've always believed that amazing things happen when you agree to be creative. It's a choice. You don't have to pick up the musical instrument. You don't have to write the lyrics. You choose to expose your soul. And along that journey, you pick things up. Because one day, there's a story that shall be told. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Gary Wright. Out of all the lies that I can recall, breaking and destroying worlds appears to be the favorite of them all. All these childish games. Left me hanging low Forcing me into myself I found a place from where I felt my love grow Reading your book is so perfectly in tune with what is missing from the world And and the spiritual journey that you have been on you You are going to a new land of leadership, sir Oh, that's very kind of you Thank you very much at any moment while you were you were growing through the music ages and writing songs with Harrison and creating with Eric Clapton, did you ever think that you were on a spiritual journey? I did, especially later on when I became really involved in meditation. Uh, I, I did feel I was I was on a spiritual journey, and and you look at life in a different perspective when you when you look at it through that, those eyes, so to speak. When you're seeing everything is happening for a reason, and and rather than random things that are you know most people can't deal with and they're way out of whack and out of balance a light that shines with truth and lights up your mind to discover yourself I was able to, to focus and put my life into balance pretty much through meditating. Living in the present requires teachers to step up and kind of teach what the moment is. Can readers and fans of Gary Wright feel that in your writing and use it as a book, as a tool? I think so. At least it will give them... An introduction, you know, to to the spiritual world, so to speak, and uh, you know, there's there's ample quotes throughout the book too that I use from uh, my guru Paramahansa Yogananda. To discover yourself, you deliver yourself from darkness. To describe certain points that I wanted to make at that particular part of the book. So I think, in answer to your question, yes, definitely. They're little signposts that people can pick up on and say, oh, that's interesting. Now I, you know, 
Now I, I feel a lot better that I know that rather than just being in the limbo. Especially, you know, with, with concepts like reincarnation and, and karma. In the West, people don't really grasp that very easily. And uh, I think I, I kind of, you know, go through that whole journey that I, I went through, how I kind of like fell into that through having met George and uh, and started, you know, really the, the journey and, and kind of got rid of all the fears and doubts that I had about religion. The present, the moment, and then learning how to build outward and forward so that others can can go along with the journey. And that's what I love so much about your book, because it's almost like I'm looking in the mirror sometimes. Oh, that's great. I'm glad. (laughs) That's the purpose of why I wrote it. So I'm glad that that's uh, happening to you. Now, inside your pages of Dreamweaver, you speak of having that spiritual connection with George Harrison. It's, It's not a wacky thing, but is Harrison coming to you through your dreams at all? Has he ever done that? Occasionally, I'll have dreams, you know, not not dreams that I've been guided or anything like that, but just really recreations of events that we had in the past together. And, and you know, when you have a good dream, you wake up in the morning sometimes feeling just great, you know, especially if you just, you know, finished the dream. I think of him often, you know, especially when I was writing my book, I, I thought about him a lot and, you know, the different times we spent together and, you know, I had to go and recreate that all in my mind again. A, how did you keep peace when you knew that that song was on that cassette? You knew you had that cassette, but the present moment wouldn't let you have the cassette. And then now that you have, you are sharing it with your live performances, dude, this is Uh, a whole new Gary Wright. This, this, this is taking your vocal cords to a different level. Out of all the lies that I can recall, breaking and destroying worlds appears to be I had always known that that song existed. George came over my my apartment one day in the afternoon when I was living in London, and and I played him this part of the song. I said, this is what I have. I need to finish it. And he wrote down some words real quick, and then I played some more chords, and we finished it rather quickly. But I never put it for one reason or another. I never recorded it. And I was apprehensive about where where does that cassette live? You know, so I'd have to find it and then re, re, um, restructure it because the chords are not real simple in that. They're kind of complicated. And finally, when I did it and I, and I actually sat down and played them, uh, actually, it was right. It was the day that George passed uh, that I actually wrote a little, you know, the chords down and I actually went into the studio and just made a little demo. It wasn't the final, you know, ultimate version. But I thought, since I'm writing a book about him, I think it would be a good idea to share this song with the world, and that's what I did. I, I put it down, and I, I asked Ringo to come in and play drums on it, which he did, and two of my other friends from the Stone Temple Pilots who live close to me, 
came in and played bass guitar. Dean DeLeo uh, played, his brother played uh, electric guitar and, and the solos. So it was something that I just, it was meant to happen. It was just a question of when. To discover yourself Through Thich Nhat Hanh and other spiritual leaders, do you find that this is going to be the open gate for you to bring that spiritual journey to those of us out here who are creative? I've just closed my eyes again Climbed aboard the dream weave train Well, I hope so. I, I really do because, I mean, the, the purpose of my music that I, I feel and, and my writings or to uplift people and to show them, you know, what, what I've experienced and how it's helped my life and hopefully that it could benefit theirs the same way that it benefited my life. Because otherwise it's kind of fruitless if you, if you just write a book to just put it out there. I hope I can be in any way, you know, someone's, you know, guiding post along their spiritual journey by what I've written. What's fascinating is that I've gone back to listen to Love is Alive and Dreamweaver. It's got a whole new meaning, mister. Yeah, especially Dreamweaver. I think a lot of people never knew what that song was about, including myself. When I wrote it, I just I wrote the lyrics to that thing in about a half an hour and uh, never really knew the spiritual side of it until I started to begin meditating deeply. And then I realized the, you know, that Dreamweaver is really God and the journey we all have through life and how he sometimes when we're, when we're going through trials and, you know, tribulations that he actually is there carrying us rather than having a stumble along the way so it's i believe you can get me through the night that whole image you know of the journey and god being by your side so proud of you for writing this book. I really am. And I think that it's going to be the open door to a new Gary Wright that, that many of us don't know, but we're going to get to know you. Thank you so much for having the courage to write this book, sir. 
Thank you so much. He writes, I still marvel at how unbeknownst to me at the time, the joyful path of my life was paved one night in 1949 when Jerome Robbins sat down with Leonard Bernstein in an apartment and announced, I have an idea. The Academy Award and Golden Globe winner is best known internationally for his role as Bernardo in West Side Story. In November of 2012, George received what many refer to as the highest honor in Hollywood. His hand and footprints were placed in a cement at the very historic Grauman's Theater. We are unplugged and totally uncut with George Shakaris. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing really well. Thank you. This has been a ball. Oh, I bet it has because I'll tell you what. My wife has been a huge fan of yours from day one, and for her to put her hands on this book, it's it's like the uh, a kid in a candy store because you have opened your story for us to hold. Now, one of the things that I thought I find so enjoyable about you is that you are a man of great gratitude, and and I love that about your heart. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I am really because hey, listen, I, I've been wildly lucky a lot, a lot of the time, uh, and I'm grateful for that good fortune. We all, no matter what we're doing, and no, no matter our abilities, we all need luck along the way to be able to be. Um, and and I've, I've been lucky more than once and I am grateful for that absolutely I've gotten to work with such extraordinary people yeah. the book we're talking about is my west side story putting the words down on paper was it did it feel real or did it feel like a role because I mean you you are such a brilliant actor but at the same time I, I these pages are just so real to me well um uh, working on, on this book and, and revisiting all of that stuff. Um, and it, it, it was a great reminder because, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you don't think of everything that's happened in your life. So, uh, um, but doing this book has reminded me of, of, of the great good fortune and, and, and just amazing people I've, I've been able to work with and know and, and people who cared about me and the people I cared about. Uh, I hope I'm answering this question correctly. Um, but um, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, so I'll stop. But, but, uh, <laughs> um, well, to be Bernardo, look at the generations of fans that, that you've inspired. Didn't you in every way represent so many people as Bernardo? Because we've all known somebody, we've all been a part of a story like this, and you're the one that brought music to the story and warmed us up and, and really kind of just set it out there. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, one of the things that I, I think is, is wonderful about the character of, of, of Bernardo was because we all know what prejudice and all of that stuff, we all, we all know what that is like, because prejudice has always been with us and will always be with us. And Bernardo and his family, you know, coming to New York for the first time in their lives, had to endure and live through and get past, if they could, uh, prejudice. And to be treated that way when you come to, you know, expecting a better life, was is 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 not easy, uh, and I I think the uh, what Bernardo and and his family 
experience is something that almost anyone can identify with. And that's the beauty, I think, of that character and of what the Sharks of Puerto Ricans experience when they, when they come to the United States and to New York for the first time. What was it like for you to dance with Gene Kelly and to basically appear in Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend with Marilyn Monroe? Because, I mean, there you are on that set with people that were bigger than life, and you, too, were bigger in life. I'll tell you, one of my favorite credits ever is to say that I was one of the guys behind Marilyn Monroe and the the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend number. First of all, she's, she's Marilyn Monroe. Come on. And it's also an incredible number, staged by an extraordinary choreographer whose name is Jack Cole. And Marilyn always wanted Jack for everything she did, and she almost got she always got him too. Uh, so being one of the guys in that number, I just love saying, and people uh, love asking me. Everybody cares about Marilyn Monroe and wants to know about her. So uh, the, the fact that I was one of those guys behind her, as I say, is one of my, my favorite credits. I'm really proud of that, that I got to be there on that set with her uh, and, and in that number. I, I never got to actually, the only time I worked actually worked with Gene Kelly uh, on, on Brigadoon, which he, of course, was the star of, there was a, there was a, a the sword dance, it was four guys and, uh, and one of the characters in, in the movie, uh, and, and Gene staged the sword dance and he directed it and we filmed it. It was cut from the film, but uh, that was the one time I got to actually work with Gene. Years later, we were in we were in a movie called The Ungers of Rochefort together, but in the movie we didn't have any scenes together. But so I I feel that I've shared some really nice time with him, uh, and I and he was he was he was fantastic to work for. Uh, I mean, he, he was a he was a pioneer. He was absolutely a pioneer. Yeah, and uh, yeah. The book we're talking about is My West Side Story. Listeners need to understand, and they need to jump on on your website, that your jewelry is mind-blowing. I love the fact that you let that creative side of your personality come out through the jewelry. Well, God, thank you so much for that. You know, I've really enjoyed that that particular hobby. I'll say it became more a little bit more than a hobby because... You know, I guess we all like making things and being creative in whatever way we can. And the beautiful, one of the beautiful things about making jewelry is however you, you achieve your final piece, whether it's from wax or soldering or casting, however you, when, when, you, when you, you have the final piece, you can hold it in your hand. And there's, there's something really gratifying about that. You know, you could look at it and see it shine and feel it. And, and it's, it's, it's a lovely, uh, a way of creating something. Well, God, thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Well, please come back to this show anytime in the future because the door is always going to be open for you, George. Okay. Okay. Great. You be brilliant today, okay? Yeah. Yes. Unplugged and totally uncut with Greg Warren, who's got a brand new stand-up video special and accompanying album. It's called Where the Field Corn Grows. Now think about that, because he really does bring that into the picture. What is the difference between field corn versus 
Sweet Corn. And this is not a city slicker kind of question. But his brand of comedy is very fun and it's very clean cut. He loves his image and he knows how to bring it forward to the right people. See, that's why I teamed up with BobBrandon.com because he's all about the image. Everything that we do should be covered on your website. It shouldn't be just sitting there going, hey, uh, you want to buy this product? Bob's actually going to sit down with you and he's going to help you create your website. And you know what? Even if you have to overhaul it, he's got the confidence to make sure that when you make such a move, there's going to be success on the opposite side. Plus, he can host your website. Man, put it in the hands of the people that know the business and not what something you picked up in what uh, the 10 things uh, you didn't know about the internet. BobBrandon.com. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Greg Warren. Hey, it's Greg Warren. What are y'all doing, Greg? Just hanging out, waiting for that chance to hit that stage again? <laughs> uh, that would be uh, that would be fantastic, man. <laughs> you know, I, I got I, listeners need to know right off the bat that you're going to be out there this coming August, and and you're gonna you know be hitting those stages again. So when you have a special like this one right now, I mean, this is a total salesmanship tool, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I hope so, man. Um, uh, I, I hope people will uh, enjoy it, and then uh, you know things have a way of working themselves out if people enjoy what you're doing so the special we're talking about is where the field corn grows now what what's great about this is right now greg that you're it you're our performance we're we're tuning in and tapping in because we're all starving for some great comedy uh well thanks for saying that um yeah i mean i hate to be a a war profiteer but it does seems like it's it seems like um you know during covid a lot of people are sort of doing like family appointment viewing time and the the specials on amazon and it's um and it is a, it's a family friendly special i swear it's funny that doesn't mean it's not funny it's fun and and i love the idea that, that the focus i mean you talked about being on amazon prime and everything like that but it's also on google play i mean it's, it's not just about comedy central anymore i mean you are you are utilizing the tools that are right here in front of you yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> so. Somebody that's smarter than I am uh, <laughs> is. Yeah. What well, I, I grew up in the state of Montana and Wyoming, and one of the subjects that you cover, field corn, dude, versus sweet corn. I mean, I mean that was one of the things that we had to learn from the very beginning. But then there's also Indian corn. Have you ever dealt with that? No, no. Now, now you got me all thrown for a loop. <laughs> that's the colorized corn. That, that you know, it's brown, it's orange, it's all these different colors inside of it. And and it's like, man, I'll tell you, I it's one. You know, out there in Montana, you you can get any kind of corn. Yeah. Now, now, do you eat the Indian corn, or is that a type of field corn? You know, really interesting question because we used it as decoration, is what we did. And so, so I think it's like popcorn, where you know, you don't throw it in there and then eat it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, of course, field corn is what the um, the animals eat, and uh, sweet corn is what we eat. And Errol, once they explain it to you, it's um, it's really easy to remember. Here's a little trick: field corn is grown in a field, whereas sweet corn is grown in a field so you can see they they make it real easy for you to remember <laughs> so did you grow up in in the fields of corn because i'm mean, out there i mean it's like we would take our bikes and get lost in the middle of it and seriously it would take us forever to get out no i mean uh i think it had i grown up like you i um you know on uh, I probably would not have been such a moron about farming, uh, uh, but then uh, you know on, on the positive side I would have probably there would have been no impetus to do this uh, this this special. It really came uh, and excuse the pun, but it, it came organically. Yeah, uh, I, I was uh, 
I was uh, in, in Iowa where there's a lot of farmers, and I, I asked this guy from the stage, what do you farm? And he said, beans. And I said, like green beans? And they, they all start laughing at me like I'm the dumb, like you're laughing at me. Like, ah, oh, I think we go green beans in Iowa. It, it was soybeans. Which, which soybeans, that's not that ridiculous of an answer. That's the real food. I, I didn't say jelly beans, okay? I, I said uh, – <laughs> Green beans isn't a bad answer. It, it, it's so true that when you get out there with the farmers and stuff like that, you know, it's like beets. And 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 so out in Montana, when 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 we said beets, sugar beets, so that people can make sugar. You you mean sugar comes from a beet? Sugar comes from a beet. So okay, so is there a difference between like the red beets that you? buy in the grocery store and sugar beets oh my god sugar beets man they, they, you, you have to have both hands to pick it up and and don't even think about cutting that baby open and expecting something sweet no it, 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 it's horrible <laughs> so you you really did all this stuff huh yeah yeah and that and, but that, that was just part of growing up up there in the, in the state of montana but then here in the carolinas man i'm, I'm just planting trees i'm a i'm a tree farmer down here yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of lot of pine trees in the Carolinas. Yeah. When it when it comes to your special where the field corn grows, to bring it together, because I always hear comedians have to build the show, they have to craft the show. What all went into it? Well, I mean, I think there's just this. I've been doing this for a while, so it's this sort of normal process of writing every day and keeping an eye out for what's around you, and then getting on stage uh, at comedy clubs and just working it out and figure out what, what works and then really putting a little extra on it every night. Um, but this one, you know, I'm usually not like a guy that tries to tackle a theme, but the, early on a friend of mine was like, you gotta try to put more of this farming stuff in there. <laughs> so um, I, I did go out and uh, visit with a bunch of farmers. Like I did research, um, you know, uh, I went and talked to farmers and learned a lot. And I, I learned a, you know, they were a big part of this. They, they were really helpful. Um, I have a great respect for farmers that they work hard. Man. Well, you know that. Yeah. I mean, just you, you want to know how hard they work. Just look at what they're they make their kids do. You know, like, like <laughs> have you ever heard of a farm kid talk about their chores? Like like when when I was in a kid, if I, if I said I was going to do my chores, that meant, you know, I was going to roll the garbage cans down the driveway uh and if i didn't do my chores i got grounded if a farm kid doesn't do their chores the bank forecloses on the family's farm like the, it's, it's, it's the stakes are really high man no it, it included us going out there the first thing that we would stop we would stop by the hen house first and grab it grab a chicken and then we would put the chicken in the front cab of the pickup and it was an international one of those old international pickups and then you go out to the haystack and the reason why is because when the sun is coming up that chicken is looking for rats or it's looking for snakes and it will devour it in a heartbeat Really? Yeah, and so that was your protector. You you did that for protection. Holy smokes, man! Where were you when I was writing this? Thing? This is this is fascinating stuff, man. <laughs> so now, when when you do bring out the stories and stuff like that up on that live stage, is that giving the writer in you a voice, or is it an ex? You know, like an exploration of where you're growing to? Um, that's pretty deep, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, uh, how should I say it? Like most of what I, by the time I shoot the special, I kind of know what I'm going to say, but those, you know, up right up until then, even like that week before I was still trying to innovate a little bit and, you know, trying to keep it fresh. 
uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but yeah, I, I mean, um, I, I, you know, the, the thing is you can't just get up there and talk about with comedy. I mean, there has to, you have to be going somewhere, you know, eventually it needs to lead to a laugh. Now, as you're trying to, uh, you know, build the material, you may not know where you're going to find the laugh, but once you find it, you sort of lock that in and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to say this similar to this way from here on out and then try to add a little bit more and, and try to change it. But, uh, you know, once it's like, Oh, we got the rhythm of it and they usually laugh there. Um, you, you kind of keep that. Now in a very weird and strange, but loving way is, is, you know, when, when you learned that clarinet in high school, did that not also <laughs> teach you that forward motion? Well, that would be a stretch. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, from what I hear, um, you know, that's as I look back, I'm like, why did my mom care so much about me being a clarinet player? And then you get older, it's like, no, dummy, that, that she did that because it's it makes your brain work better, supposedly, <laughs> you, you know. So hopefully, maybe that did uh, did add something to me being a comedian. Um, I'm, I hope I'm a better comedian than I was a clarinet player. So now, are you a people watcher? Because I was very inspired when you went out there and you did your homework with with the farmers. Because you know how a lot of farmers are. You ask them a question and you get the "yep" answer. And it's like, well, you've got to decipher what "yep" means. Yeah, I mean, you know, now that may have been your experience, but I got to tell you, these guys were more than willing to have me out there and more than willing to talk to me. And 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 they, you know, they were really it was fascinating. And they 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 uh, they actually shared quite a bit. Um, and I and thank god they did because um i mean they uh <laughs> i asked some really dumb questions <laughs> i i called this one guy i was like um i go hey uh uh are i'm coming out there to visit you are the crops still up that's I, like, are the crop like they were christmas decorations right. <laughs> yeah like, like I think he was a, yeah, I think you meant to ask, have we harvested yet? Uh, <laughs> really stupid stuff. This has got to grow into your own show on Netflix or Hulu in the way that where you include the farmers or you become the star of the show as a farmer. Well, I'll, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Maybe, uh, maybe Amazon Prime will. Uh, make a series out of it you know um <laughs> i mean you, you you feel it right i mean there, there's there's it's it's almost like this is the first step of a brand new beginning uh man i hope so i just you know i i, I never you know, like i said i've been doing this for a while so i, I never really um I, I i all i all i want is for a bunch of people to watch this and laugh that really is my my goal I, when you start getting like what's the next nine steps uh, I think you get a little bit out over your skis and you, and, and you, you, you usually wind up looking like an idiot uh, in this business. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm all for, you know, like, you know, if something leads, if something leads, uh, uh, from this, uh, great, but, uh, I, I just want people to watch it and laugh and then, you know, boy, that'd be cool if sometime maybe they came to see me uh, do a live show, you know, so, if they're, if that's such a thing anymore. <laughs> but, well, even with that live show, I mean, that's how you craft the next big show. I mean, do you go out and you perform where the field corn grows or do you, it's like, okay, I've got brand new material, but where did I practice that material during this COVID-19? That's a, that's a great question, man. I mean, it, you know, I shot this a year ago. So over the last year I have been working on new material up until, you know, COVID. So, but, you know, if you came to see me uh, do a show, uh, you would probably see a half hour of material that's never been, you know, aired anywhere, 
probably 15 minutes of material from where the field corn grows and 15 minutes of material from you know, two or three old albums is what I'm guessing. Now, the one of the one of the things about about comedy that listeners need to understand is that it's it's a lifestyle for you guys. I mean, this is what you live, you breathe, you eat. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, it's uh, I you know, I, I mean, it, it, when you say that, it sounds like really hard, but <laughs> like you, there's people that got to get up and go to work. There's farmers, for God's sake. So yeah, I mean. I basically I try to get up and write a little bit in the morning. I uh, try to do as many shows as I can, um, and th- and that right. And then I try to listen to my myself as often as possible. Those three things right there, along with sort of noticing your surroundings, that's uh, the job. And it's a pretty, it's an extremely fortunate job to have, but it's a pretty easy job um, compared to what what other people do. That's pretty funny that you say that you listen to yourself because that's a radio thing because we are endlessly listening and people go, yo, you're listening to yourself again. Well, no, actually I'm studying so that I know how to become better at what we're doing. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I, it's uh, I guess the best way to explain it. And, and I bet you, you guys are, are similar. Um, so when you first listen to yourself, you, you just, you're, you're just, you have all this ego in the way and you're like, God, God, do I sound like that? God, that's, that's awful. It's terrible. And then, you know, and like I've noticed with like, if, if one of my friends, it's a comic is doing something on stage, I can walk by and hear, I know how to, I know how to fix that joke. You know, I know I just instantly know, like I know what to do there because there's no ego with that guy. I'm not thinking about it, but when you listen to yourself over and over, you stop forgetting that it, you, you start to forget that it's you and you just it's almost like you're you're like, oh, I can fix that guy's joke. Well, that guy is you, you know? like <laughs> if you listen enough, you get sort of deadened to the fact that it's you and your ego sort of dissipates. And it's just like you're listening to just another guy and you can make adjustments to that guy. A, a guy taught me a trick a long time ago is like listen to yourself, but do something else. Like so I spent a lot of time like listening to myself while I was doing the dishes or surfing the Web you know, or driving, because then you're not so laser focused on anything. It kind of creeps into your subconscious. Now, we in, in radio, we play by what's called the seven second rule that if I'm tuning out seven seconds into the conversation, you're done. You're, you, it's, it's like you've got to reattract, attract, reattract, attract, reattract. Wow, man, that's uh, that's a lot of pressure. I think I don't know if I I'm trying to. Uh, go back over the last 20 minutes we've been talking i don't think i was good every seven seconds i think i think i screwed up your whole seven seconds sorry well you know it's it's because what happens is we're talking over song intro so you know you're sitting there every every jock on the air wants that 60 second hotel california intro which if you talked over that you would piss off every listener because that's part of their favorite song (laughs) yeah man um yeah, I, I want to be clear. Um, nothing that I say on on where the field corn grows will be quite as engaging as that first sixty seconds of Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it's funnier than Hotel California, but I, I I'm not you know you you can't have me competing with Glenn Fry. I just I can't I can't win that battle. I really can't. You know, one of the things that we haven't covered and we need to, because, I mean, with with you being connected with people, uh, you also lead people you on your website. I mean, it's it's a place where people can hook up with you and you can lead businesses to a stronger identity as well as a stronger self uh, creatively as well as business wise. 
Did I say I could do that? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I, if you That's a, how I interpreted it then. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I've done some gigs for corporations and I can make, I can make your organization uh, laugh. And then, uh, and, and then every now and then, like, if they're like, Hey, uh, we need somebody to talk to our company. Um, and we need them to laugh, but we also need like about 10 minutes of something relatively serious. I can do that. I can do that, but I'm not sure I can, uh, everything that you said, that's a, that sounds uh, more of something to bite off than the first 60 seconds of uh, hotel California. (laughs) (laughs) Now I noticed that you also have been on a lot of podcasts. Are you going to jump into that, into that direction? I have a podcast, um, with my buddy Brendan Ayer, right? A very funny comic, and it's called One Down, and it's um, it's a it's a weekly review of the New York Times crossword puzzle. Uh, and I I know it sounds dry, but it's it's just it's two comedians talking about uh the the whole week of New York Times crossword puzzle. And it's pretty funny. It's it's we're pretty silly, pretty laid back. Brendan's really good at the puzzle. I am uh, not. Uh, I'm I'm average, average at best. Now, what is it like for you to jump onto that stage? Because radio is theater of the mind and you're used to seeing people in front of you, but on that podcast, it's just the two of you. Yeah, man. I I just sort of have, I've done a lot of radio over the years. So I just sort of um, try to have a natural, funny conversation with one of my best friends, I guess is the, uh, the, the best way to describe it. Um, and uh, it's taken us a little while, but man, now we, we, I'm, he's sort of in, in sync with me. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of cool, man. It's it's it's. I mean, I I, uh, I just started doing crosswords like five years ago, so it is. Uh, I, you know the way the New York Times crossword puzzle works? It's like I do it on my app, and it gets it starts on Monday, and it gets harder every day. <laughs> you know, so but I do it on this app, and there's like a timer on the app. So it keeps track of how long it takes you to finish the puzzle. But I do it at night. And a lot of times, like, I fall asleep while I'm doing the puzzle. Oh yeah. So to the people at the New York Times, it looks like, wow, there's this guy that's – this guy is the dumbest person that I've ever seen. He's been going for eight, eight hours and 36 minutes, and he's still got two words. This guy, he won't give up, though. Look at him. He's, 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 he's still trying. He's like the Rudy of crossword puzzles. This guy is uh, – yeah, so um, <laughs> it's been pretty fun. So now what, what happened when you guys came up with One Down? Were you just sitting around drinking a beer and then all of a sudden it's like, I got, I, I got an idea for a podcast? I would, um, we would do, he's a good buddy of mine, he's a comedian, and, and we would just call each other complaining about what we thought were injustices of the week's puzzles. Like, you know, the guy that edits the New York Times Cross the Puzzles, Will Shorts, would be like, can you believe what Shorts did on Thursday? This guy, that's not a, that's not, that's not a real puzzle. It's not, a, this is, this is ridiculous. So we started like calling each other. It really started organically. We were complaining and, uh, and then, uh, eventually i was like man could we do this as a cross as a like a, a thing and and uh yeah I, and and it, and it came out that we could we got to talk more in the future man cuz i you you're you're just a brilliant creative person and people need to know about it hey man i really enjoyed talking with you yeah this that was great man um i'll check it out uh, please let me know if i can help at all man have a great day today okay all right we'll see you later